So it brings us to Genesis 28. We're nearing the end, my friends, for today's session. And I pray that if you listen to the different parts of this session that you're following, uh, you're following. If you have to diagram it out, if you have to chart it out, you can do it. But we're seeing the action of the stories and we're also seeing how God is speaking to us through them. So Genesis chapter 28. And Isaac blesses Jacob and he does send him on his way and he sends him on his way to take a wife from the daughters of his uncle Laban, right? So Esau already told you where he gets his, his, his wives from. He gets his wives from the Canaanite women, which brings grief to his parents because the Canaanite women don't fear God, right? And so now he's sending Jacob to go and get a wife from his own family, from people who are supposed to fear God. And he's going to get a wife from the daughters of his uncle Laban. So go and marry your cousin, okay? And in verse three to four, we see the transferring of Abraham's blessing from Isaac to Jacob. And he says, may God almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. All right. So that's a blessing that was bestowed upon Jacob and Jacob leaves. All right. So Esau, it's interesting because when Esau realizes that the wives that he took of the daughters of Canaan don't please his father and his mother because they're Canaanites, he goes to Ishmael, uh, his uncle, and marries one of his daughters. So he goes and marries his cousin on Ishmael's side, right? Remember the Ishmaelites are in the wilderness. They also have blessings, but it was really Isaac through whom the blessing was flowing. So Jacob leaves, leaves Beersheba, and he goes towards Haran, and um, on his way, he has a dream. In the nighttime, he puts a rock down for a pillow, and he has a dream. And this is the dream of the ladder reaching heaven with angels ascending and descending on it. And after this dream, or in this dream, God speaks to him about the covenant the covenant that what God is going to do through the descendants of Abraham. And when, when he awakens, when Jacob awakens, he makes a monument there with the rock, which was his pillow, and he pours oil and he calls it the place Bethel, which is the house of God. And he, he makes a, a covenant that he will, he will serve God as God provides for him and as God causes him to be his, his Lord and all of that, he will be uh, faithful to God and that he would build this God's house, right? And that he will give God a tenth of it all. So this place, Bethel, will become the house of God and he will tithe or give God a tenth of it all. All right. So Jacob continues on and he arrives uh, at, uh, at Laban's house, right? So Laban is the son of Nahor, which was Abraham's brother. Okay, so that's how the families had to connect together. And Laban's also the brother of his mother, Rebecca. And he, he arrives in time to assist uh, Rachel, one of Laban's daughters, in watering her father's sheep. So he, they have this well, he rolls the stone away and all of that. And he falls in love with her. He falls in love with her. 
So he goes and he meets uh, her father, Laban, and he stays with them for a little while, and he expresses his love for Rachel. And so the father says, well, if you work seven years, they decide seven years for her, then you will get to marry her, right? And you'll be in the family and serve and all that. So seven years passes, and he mar he he gets Rachel that he wants. But the only thing is when the wedding night comes, we know they're heavily veiled and all that stuff. And I'm sure there was, there's been some wine. Uh, when, when the night comes, it is not Rachel who comes into their wedding uh, chamber, but it is the older sister, which is Leah. And the Bible lets us know that out of the two, Rachel is really the more fair one. And so after that, when he realizes what happens, Jacob is upset. He is upset. And he speaks to Laban and says, why have you done this thing to me? And then Laban lets him know of a custom that they have that the older one must marry before the younger one. And so he says, well, listen, you have a wedding week, a whole wedding week of festivities, and you got to stay with her or she'll be like, you know, in insulted. So after that week is finished, I will give you Rachel and then you can just work another seven years for her. So you see some scheming happen there, right? And um, so Jacob agrees. And then after the week is over with Leah, he goes and he marries Rachel to the one he really loves. And then he works seven more years for her. Now, the thing is, Leah is not, not his choice, right? He, she's really hated by Jacob, but God opens up her womb and she's fruitful. And she has a child named Reuben. She has a son named Simeon, another son named Levi, and another son named Judah, okay? And verse 25 tells us this. So it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? So I brought that verse in of with the word deceive because it kind of follows Jacob where he's going with him and his brother is because of deception and, and he's there because of deception. So we're seeing that now Laban is kind of turning the tables on him. Now in the course of it, uh, Leah, who is unloved, is just, just barren all these sons, and Rachel is barren. But Rachel is barren and unhappy, and she gets upset, and um, Jacob's upset with, like, listen, I have, I love you, I, you know? And um, so what Rachel decides to do is to give her, her handmaiden, which is Bilhah, we saw that already with um, Sarah and Hagar, so it's a custom of the day, like I said. He, she gives her, her servant Bilhah to Jacob. Jacob gets married to her too, has two sons, and his sons' names are Dan and Naphtali. And so Leah sees what Rachel has done, and Leah gives her her maid Zilpah to Jacob. She's like, okay, all right. My maid servant's going in too. <laughs> all right. And so now Zilpah has children for Jacob, and she has Gad and Asher. After that, Leah, her womb opens up again and she has more children. She has Issachar, Zebulun, and uh, the only daughter, which is Adina. And then after, Rachel has a baby. Rachel conceives and she has a baby. And her son is named Joseph. All right, Joseph. Okay, so... Listen, their family is big now. <laughs> lots of boys, the precious princess girl around among them, lots going on. And Jacob decides that he's going to leave and go to his own country. So he has been with 
layman for a while. Remember, seven years for um for Rachel. Didn't get Rachel. I got Leah. Then it married Rachel. I had seven more years, and then years on top of that. So we're close to twenty years. He's there, and um he he isn't he is inspired now to go back to his promised land, the, the land where he's from uh, and to reside there. And he's also become, you know, he's also become maybe so part of the picture that he wants to, to venture out on his own. But Laban wants him to stay because Laban has become so wealthy because of Jacob's care of his livestock. Uh, Jacob, he negotiates with Laban how a deal to, to separate and also to start to, be, to begin to build his own flock for himself and his family. So he, he, he receives this very interesting strategy. We don't even fully understand how it works now, um, but we find out later on that this, this strategy came to him in a dream. So we know it's a divine strategy, and he is going to build his own livestock with speckled and spotted animals. So he's allowing uh, Laban to keep every animal that's fully a full um, coat of color and anything that's speckled or spotted, he will take away. And that's an easy way to distinguish between the, the herds. And what he does is that he moves off a little bit to give about three days in between, distance in between the um, herds so they don't, you know, intermingle and they don't get mixed up. So it's, it's a very interesting strategy um, one has all the speckled and the spotted and one has all of the full color of the coat. All right. Well, what he does, okay, is that he starts to take uh, rods of, the scripture says, poplar, green poplar and of almond and chestnut trees, and he puts it in the watering troughs of the flocks. And what happens is as they they drink those water, the water, you're finding that more coming out speckled and spotted. And not only are more coming out speckled and spotted, but the healthier, the stronger come out speckled and spotted. So we're starting to see that um, Jacob's herd is growing. It's becoming significant. And it's like a selective breeding process, right? To, to ensure that he got like the, the what is the strongest, what is the best. And it was a divine strategy. So this is what happens between them. Now, we see that he becomes so prosperous. Jacob becomes so prosperous. Are you seeing a, a, a trend between Jacob and his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham? They become very wealthy, right? And he has large flocks and he has servants and camels and donkeys. So he, he's moving up in life right there. And... Um, what happens is as we move over to Genesis 31, we're coming close to 32, which is our end today. Laban's sons are upset with Jacob for taking all that belongs to Laban. Now, it's not that he, Jacob has taken what belongs to his father. They are just envious as they start to see Jacob really prospering, especially in the time we will learn that he was with him for such a long time and Laban wasn't always fair to him. So Laban's sons would have had like the upper hand, we believe. And seeing now the underdog in that sense start to rise and start to be prosperous, it makes them envious. And also it influences how Laban really begins to treat Jacob. He has mistreated him through the process, but now it's taken to a new level. And so the Lord tells Jacob to return to the land of his fathers. So before uh, Jacob had uh, inspiration to go, but now the Lord's 
he's building on that and giving him an instruction you need to go and he tells him that he will be with him so jacob tells his family and reveals his strategy and everything and his family supports him the the two wives the two handmaidens all the sons and the daughter you know they support him and they decide to leave as well so they're getting ready to go and rachel the the loved wife she takes the family idols she shouldn't have done it but she does as they go laban when he finds out that they've left, chases after Jacob. But God meets Laban in a dream and tells him to be careful of how he deals with Jacob. So he comes, he, they catch Jacob and his family, and he tells him, you shouldn't have left me, you shouldn't have mistreated me, and he's looking for his idols. And Jacob is bold and says, listen, I didn't take them, and if you find the person who did, you can kill them, because I know they're not here. But it's actually Rachel who took them but they never actually find it because she's sitting on them, <laughs> right? And she, she tells them that she's um, having her menstrual cycle and she can't get up and they believe her and so they never really find them. But he, he uh, says that he's upset and he, um, basically Jacob has taken his family and everything. And what happens is because God has intervened, Jacob and Laban actually make a covenant, right? Um, Laban says, listen, all these things are mine, but you can have them. They're not really his anymore, but he says you could have him, but he's basically to treat his daughters and um, his grandchildren well. And they would separate and really never see each other again. So that they make that decision and um, Laban goes back home and Jacob carries on. So Jacob is returning to his own country and guess what's in his country, all right? <laughs> his brother. Esau. Now we already know what happened the last time when they met. Esau says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And an interesting thing, it says in the scripture too, that, um, that his mom said that, listen, if things change between your brother, uh, I will send you word as so you can come home. And she never really sends word. So we know things have not changed. Uh, Esau's upset still, and it's time for Jacob to face his past. Just like in our lives, we will come to face what we need to face to move forward in the things of God. But God has promised that he will be with Jacob just as much as he has promised that he will be with you and me. And so Jacob, Jacob is, is a smart guy. He sends messengers before him to Esau and he shows humility. You know, he's letting him know he's coming back. He's got all this stuff. So he's not trying to take anything from, from Esau and just prepare Esau for his visit. Now, Esau receives a message, right? And the word is now that Esau is coming to meet him. Yes, we like that, but with 400 men. So Jacob is now greatly afraid and distressed. He, he doesn't know what's going to happen. So what he decides to do is to divide his whole company, his children, his livestock, his servants, everything into two companies, right? And so that, uh, you know, in case Esau comes and attack, attacks, there's still a company that will remain. And in verses 9 to 12, we, we, we read this. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, 
lest he come and attack me and the mother of with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So we read Jacob's prayer and it shows you his heart, what's going on inside and his trust and dependency in God. When we are in difficult places, may this be our prayer that we would turn to God with trust and ask him to intervene and to do what only he can do. So Jacob has two companies. He sends them ahead and decides to spend the night alone in, in the place that he's at. And he has an encounter with a man. And some say it's the pre-incarnate Christ who came uh, and he has this wrestling match basically with him. And he wrestles with me. He, he tries to prevail on him. Trying to, he struggles with him. And as the day's coming, the man's like, I have to leave. And he says to him, Jacob says, do not leave. I won't let you go until you bless me. So he had some inspiration, some understanding that this man was important and had um, access to blessing him. And so he, he prevails and the man says, okay. He asks him what his name is. He says, Jacob, which means supplanter, basically deceiver. And he changes his name to Israel, which means God rules. And he blesses him there. But he also touches the socket of his thigh and basically gives him a limp. So he'll have a very tangible ex um, memory of this encounter. So Jacob is walking away with a new name. Israel, which means God's rule, right? So the nation of Israel actually started with a person named Israel, okay? And he's blessed, but he's also walking with a limp. And that brings us to the ending of chapter 32. We have seen Abraham. We have met Isaac. And we have met Jacob. Here we are. We're seeing the promise of God, the covenant of God flow through uh, this family. We're seeing the, the shenanigans, if I can use that word, that they get into, how sometimes they doubt or try to put, take um, their, own, their own pathway or pull matters into their own hands. And we see the consequences and we see God having to do things, but God is faithful to his word. The theme of covenant is so strong. These are what we call the patriarchs, the one who by faith walked with God and enabled a nation to be born of the Israelites or the Jews of whom the world is so blessed to have. And then through that lineage, we have Jesus, the Messiah, and salvation can be offered to the world. So listen, oh my goodness, covenant and promise is important. God is faithful. He will do today for you what he says he will do. We also see a, a theme of prosperity. Okay, prosperity. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all wealthy. They were they worked hard. They had divine strategies, and they accumulated great wealth, and that helped to set them up for the nation that God was building through them. And we see that their wealth came as an obedience, as a result of their obedience to God and His instructions. We are seeing the theme of Israel starting to to, to shine a little bit more. 
the the nation that God is using of dedicated people who would who would follow him wholeheartedly, keep his ways alive in the world and, you know, really show to the world and proclaim to the world what God is really like, okay? And through them, like I said, to prepare the world for the birth of Jesus Christ. We see the theme of families, okay? <laughs> Sometimes we think of the families that we're in and we're like, oh God, deliver me, right? But in the families, you see there's there is no perfect family, even in your quest to f follow God wholeheartedly. Oh, we are people who need God and learn obedience. So family is important. Thank God for your family. Pray for your family. And also find out your role to play in the family and ensure that you are giving it your, your, your best, okay? And, once, and we also see the themes of faith and trust in God. All of this hinges on faith. When we get to the New Testament, we read Hebrews, we're going to see these, uh, these names pop up that they did these things by faith. They choose to trust in God. They choose to let their actions reveal that they believe God and it's counted to them for righteousness as it was for Abraham. And the last theme is obedience. Obedience to the Lord's word. Obedience to the Lord's voice. We have the voice of the Lord even today in the word of God. And what he tells us to do, he, we are to do because we will get obedient. We will get blessing through obedience. All right. So as we have gone through this study, I pray that there would have been, you know, a, a pricking in your heart to move in closer obedience. If they didn't obey, where would we be today? And if we don't obey, where would our generations be? tomorrow. We are all part of this, this story of humanity. We all have a part to play in this, this um, life of salvation that God has given to us. And he is counting on us to be true to our word as he has been true to his. Not perfect, not having it all together, not knowing every detail, but choosing to believe God because he will do what he says he will do. Thank you for joining me. Oh gosh. In this session of through the Bible, Dr. Michelle here with you, uh, you know, we've broken it up into parts. So you'll be able to listen as you go through your week and encounter God's heart for you. As you listen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I bless you to go into this week until next week and definitely subscribe to our channel, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening as a podcast. So you'll, you'll get alerts as to when the newest episode drops. Also share the information let other people know what's going on. And if you want to support the ministry, we'll give you ways of how to do that. Listen, we are here to be a blessing to you. And we know that you are here to be a blessing to others. We thank God for you. May you go through your days and your weeks with a heightened desire to obey God and to become all that you were born to be according to the will of God for your life. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.